recruiting battles going on. And yet a couple of big time wide receivers are making their announcements in the coming hours, in the coming days. Can Miami make some moves at that position? Because, yeah, we could use some receivers right now. You are locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Friday. I'm Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. Yeah, we're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Let's talk some recruiting. And we're so happy to bring back a man who just became a dad two weeks ago. I can see the bags under your eyes, John. John Garcia, Jr., Director of Football Recruiting from Sports Illustrated. John, congratulations, and I hope you're doing well. Thank you, sir. Really appreciate that. Uh, I'm doing extremely well. Yeah, excited, refreshed, ready to get back into to some recruiting talk uh, in the middle of the season. It's a beautiful time for a lot of things in my life, and, and obviously football's rolling along too. So uh, it could be worse. That Let's say that. No, no doubt about that. And listen, I guess things could be worse for Miami's passing game, even though there were some things that didn't look great against Texas A&M. Uh, receiving core has been really affected by injuries, even before that didn't have a lot of standouts. Makes it feel like wide receiver is becoming an even bigger priority in recruiting for the class of 2023 and I'm sure 2024 as well. So just want to let people know that maybe by the time some of you listen to this and watch this, um, Hakeem Williams may have already made his decision because it's it's coming uh, at 1.30, 1.30-ish. You know how those things go. 1.30-ish today on Friday, September 23rd. Uh, Five-star wide receiver out of Fort Lauderdale, Stranahan. And, John, I don't think he's going to be a cane. Maybe you'll tell me otherwise. So I'm going to ask you, is he going to be a Seminole, which has kind of been trending up lately, or is he going to be an Aggie? Yeah, Donna, those are really the two programs that have had a grasp on this recruitment of late. Uh, a week to 10 days ago, I would have said, look, Texas A&M looks like they're going to dip into South Florida once again for another elite prospect. We saw a lot of those South Floridians on the field against the U on Saturday. But since then, it's really felt more like Florida State's race to lose. I think you could point to the, their need, which is similar to Miami's and AM's for that matter, at the position, but also some success that FSU has had on the field, maybe to the surprise of, of a lot of folks, particularly with a big physical type of, of wide receiver like Hakeem Profiles uh, similar to. So I think uh, that coupled with going up uh, to see FSU play in person already this season has FSU in a really strong position. I think a couple months back, we talked about if he was going to stay in the state, the Seminoles appeared to be the, like the best school. But here's the thing with Akeem Williams. There's still visits being talked about next weekend, the weekend after that, later in November, even early December. So there's still potentially a lot to be said in the race for Hakeem Williams. Uh, I know the Pittsburgh crowd, the Miami crowd, the Georgia crowd, even Alabama's listed as a finalist. They got to feel good about maybe – a long-standing chance at Hakeem Williams. But going into the verbal commitment as planned, September 23rd, you got to feel good if he stays in state for the seminal perspective, if he goes out of state from that AM perspective. But again, there is a, a lot of talk that this recruitment is going to go well beyond the verbal commitment. But certainly 
any of these six finalists want to win the verbal commitment initially yeah. and then go from there. But uh, I think regardless of where he commits on Friday, uh, Miami, Mario Cristobal, Josh Gaddis, that crew is going to stay heavy on Hakeem Williams. Uh, not only is he at a major position of need, but he's he's basically hyper-local in Fort Lauderdale. So I think that push won't just stop. Um, again, a lot of that is in Hakeem's court and how he wants to handle that. But I'd be surprised if those phone calls automatically stop for, from that 305 or maybe a 786 area code. <laughs> well, that, that's good info there. Now, a player that I do have, let's say, better hopes to land when he makes his verbal commit, which is coming up in a few days on Tuesday, September 27th, Tyler Williams, four-star wide receiver out of Lakeland, and he's got a very good size profile as well. And I do want to remind people, Miami has two wide receivers committed verbally for 2023, Ray Ray Joseph and Robbie Washington, who I think both can be really good, but I'm looking at guys with height and size to complement the class Tyler Williams is a great player, John. Uh, he's going to be announcing Tuesday. Georgia have been kind of the longstanding favorite for him, but a little bit similar to Hakeem with FSU. In recent weeks, Tyler Williams has started trending a lot to Miami. He scrapped an Ole Miss visit a couple of weeks ago to visit Miami instead. There's been a lot of buzz about Tyler showing back up in Miami this coming weekend for a visit. Um, do you think Miami can land this guy over the likes of the Georgia Bulldogs? I think it's certainly possible, and I think the the visit change-up and really the inclusion of Miami late in this recruiting process has been relatively telling. You know, Tyler's not one of these guys that's been recruited for three, four, five years and has always had this opportunity to take a bunch of visits and then shuffle the deck from there. No, he's more of a recent riser, former quarterback, transferred high schools last year to Lakeland, and then the blow-up sort of began. So he's still about a year into his overall recruitment. So there's still uh, opportunity seemingly for programs to move in and out of his list of favorites. And, and like you said, once that Ole Miss official visit was canned for a Miami unofficial visit, I think that was, was really interesting. Miami was not in his final five or, or really being talked about with the potential to land this kid uh, until that visit happened. Uh, the communication has only increased from that point to the point that maybe another visit is going to go down between now and the verbal commitment. So if you're swinging for the fences, you know, you, you've got a puncher's chance and you land the last two visits for an in-state growing priority like Tyler Williams, you got to feel pretty good uh, about what Miami's been able to do. There's clear intrigue there from his perspective. And look, it's easy to sell Georgia, right? Number one team coming off of the natty, all of those things. But you could flip that and say, look, Miami's got XYZ lined up, but man, they need some juice at the receiver position. It's it's very clear for all to see. So to package that for a kid who's just kind of stepping into that recruiting spotlight, I think could be great timing for the U. So if he does take this trip down to Coral Gables over the weekend to watch another non-marquee game, I think it says a lot about his legitimate interest in the U and, and Georgia fans would probably sweat that one out a little bit, uh, especially again with Cristobal Gaddis and these kind of coaches on the case. And I think that's a, another marker of, of the ascent that Miami's going to be on from a recruiting perspective, even though it's not quite there on the field, the threat off the field is, is still there. And, and I think Tyler Williams is going to be one of the case studies when we look back at this class to see how things shook out. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head that given just like, 
the seeming need that Miami has to get wide receivers in there, which would lead to opportunity for a lot of these guys to hit the field quickly. Um, I, I think that that could be something highly influential. Uh, another receiver whose name uh, I've heard mentioned, I'm going to credit uh, Matt Shodell from Kane Sport for putting this guy on my radar. So he's at the Benjamin School in North Palm Beach. Uh, he's a, a three-star. He's actually a Wake Forest verbal commit uh, named Micah Mays. And, you know, according to Shodell, Miami's getting kind of hot and heavy in his recruitment. What can you tell me about him and what may be going on there? Yeah, you're, you're sensing a theme, right? There's a big need at receiver, and there's a lot of great receiver talent in the state of Florida and South Florida in particular. Yeah, Mays uh, had a really great junior year from an athletic profile standpoint, extremely productive at the Benjamin School, which is one of the more banner schools in Palm Beach, right? Jordan Travis, Kyrie Elam right. came from there in recent years. But then off the field, on the track, I should say, state champion in the 400-meter dash so there's a lot to like on that 6-2 frame on top of it and then he's followed it up with really nice performances as a senior kind of playing his way just like Edwin Joseph who we'll talk about in a little bit playing his way up to that kind of Miami tier of of recruiting when six months ago he looked like a middle middle tier power five type of recruit um, and, and he's not just a track guy not just a speed guy there's a lot of wiggle in his game at, at 6'2 190 pounds or so think Amon Richards from a from an athletic mm. profile standpoint there's just a lot to like about what he's put on the field over the last 12 months supplemented by the frame and the track times and again going back to Miami's need at the position you expect the board to widen right so you're shooting your shot at the very top right Brandon Ennis Carnell Tate, Jerry on Dickey, the guys we always talk about, Tyler Williams, Hakeem Williams, but you're still uh, always expanding and looking to see who's kind of earning their playing their way towards your interest. And I think Micah Mays is, is kind of the poster child for that one. Look, Wake Forest has done an amazing job evaluating and identifying talent beyond the top tier um, in the state of Florida and throughout the ACC footprint. Uh, and, and he's probably the greatest example of that on their current commitment list. But that's that's what recruiting is, right? You've got to hold off when the big boys come calling. So very curious to see what, what Micah looks like uh, from a visit perspective. I know he's going back up to Wake Forest for the Clemson game this weekend. But beyond that, does he get down to Coral Gables, especially if Miami misses on Ikeem and or Tyler Williams, no relation between the two, does he start to feel that that Miami Heat just a little bit more and start to get back down to Coral Gables and really see where things stand? By the way, folks, I want to remind you that when John Garcia joins us, he's brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. I'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash College. Terms and conditions apply. So John Garcia Jr. is with us. He is the director of football recruiting for Sports Illustrated. Uh, you know, John, we got a lot more players to talk about. Uh, after the break, we're going to talk about Edwin Joseph, who you mentioned. Uh, I want to keep the streak alive and get the latest on Sanson Okunlola. But, you know, I, I want to ask you right now, though, about Cormani McLean, because every time when I throw it out there at Locked on Canes on Twitter, who do you guys want me to ask John Garcia about? There's just like a brigade of, of responses every time that like I'll ask him about Cormani McLean. Like I, I, I believe that to what, from where I sit, it's Florida in the lead, Alabama, probably second place, Miami, probably third place. I think he's been trending even more heavily to Florida lately. Is, is that the way you see it? 
Yeah, it's it's not so cut and dry with Cromani. It really never has been. But yeah, if you go, if you if you're playing the odds or you're making the odds, uh, like like the bet online folks, you'd probably start with the Gators. I think there's been a long-standing just kind of fan feel for him with UF, even dating back to the Dan Mullen staff uh, uh, previous to this one, there's always been a kind of a consistency between Cormani and the Gators. And now you throw Corey Raymond on top of that. And you certainly feel better about Florida's chances to, to hold off Alabama, Miami, and all these other great schools for the premier corner in the class. But that that's been established and he's been on campus so many times there that there's a little bit of a, Hey, if he's done, would, would he just have jumped on board by now? Not a big interview guy, not a big spotlight guy. He's the type of kid who profiles as an, a kid who just commits and is done with it, as opposed to one who drags it out for any type of attention. So to me, that does kind of uh, reemphasize the door being open. And I think that's great news for the Alabama camp and, and maybe most importantly for the Miami camp, because that's the one that he is maybe learning the most about here on the fly, right? You know what you're getting with Alabama. It's Saban, T-Rob, that whole crew, all of that. With Miami, it's still very new, developing relationships with some of the coaches uh, that are in Coral Gables. So if, if you continue to, to court him, maybe get him back on campus one more time, you feel better about your chances. But look, there's still no commitment date. Uh, I know there's there's a couple sources in Gainesville that feel like, hey, in the next few weeks, Cormani could be a Gator, and I think that's that's the standpoint you want to stand on from that Gator perspective. But if this thing creeps into November, December signing day, you start to feel much better about, about Saban's chances and Crystal Ball's chances in the end for McLean. But again, not a lot of visit talk around him right now either. So everything feels kind of status quo with this recruitment. So so conventionally, I would say the long game is is Miami's best friend in this one because the sooner he does it, it does feel like Florida is probably the school that would benefit the most. Guys, stick with us. We have a lot more prospects to talk about here with John Garcia Jr. And I want to talk about underdog fantasy. This episode is brought to you by the great folks at Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up college football season this year, guys. I've been playing underdog fantasy since before they came aboard the Locked On Network. I've been playing underdog for the past couple of years. Guys, the Pick'em games are awesome. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download their great mobile app. In my Pick'em this weekend, you look at the hires or the lowers. I like UNC quarterback Drake May higher than 254 and a half passing yards against Notre Dame. The crying Irish are going to suffer this weekend. And May, May's been throwing for an average of 310 yards per game so far. I like Notre Dame starter Drew Pine lower than 217 and a half passing yards this week. And I like Louisville quarterback Malik Cunningham, who is just so dangerous on the ground, over 95 and a half rushing yards against USF. So that's how my pick'em slip is going to look this weekend, guys. And I'm telling you, you're going to have so much fun at Underdog Fantasy. Go to Underdog and make your own picks like I just did. It's easy to play and available in over 30 states. Just pick between two and five players across any team, not just the Canes, and then decide if they're going to finish higher or lower. One of the easiest fantasy to play games out there, and you can win cold, hard cash in a single game. Sign up with our promo code Locked On. That's all one word, by the way. And Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. You deposit $100, they give you $100 free. Go to underdogfantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store. Uh, that's Underdog Fantasy, promo code locked on. Get in on the college football pick'em action today. 
Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts, available free on YouTube. John Garcia joins us courtesy of LinkedIn Jobs. John Garcia, Jr., Director of Football Recruiting for Sports Illustrated. Uh, So, John, there's been a lot of noise the last few weeks about Edwin Joseph from Chaminade. Uh, He plays receiver and defensive back. I understand Miami's recruiting him as a cornerback. Everyone I talk to has nice things to say about this player. Yeah, I mean, he's he's kind of, again, just played his way to this point. You know, he's not the biggest guy, not the fastest guy. But when you watch Chaminade, who could be the best team in Florida this year, which is and that's saying a, a whole heck of a lot. And I know Miami Central, Aquinas, uh, Northwestern. I, I'm going to get Heritage. I'm oh, they're all going to come after you now. <laughs> some DMs on that one. Look. <laughs> Shamanad's offense in particular is, is about as good as it gets. And and everyone talks about the young guys, right? All the juniors, the quarterback, the running back, the two, maybe the two best receivers in America for next recruiting class. But every time Shamanad plays, Edwin Joseph is the guy, you know, taking something short, making a guy miss and going 80 yards and, and, and making, uh, you know, folks defend the entirety of the field. Uh, so he's kind of played his way into more interest. I know uh, Miami's not the only school that have that has upped the interest with him. Penn State, a couple others are are be- beginning to turn up the heat for Joseph. Uh, and I think that's what what's going to be interesting here, right? He's a, a DB and receiver. Some like him at receiver. Miami's thinking DB at this point. I think that's going to be interesting. But look, if the Canes press, it, it's really hard to think that he wouldn't be incredibly receptive to that, right? A kid who grew up down here as a Hurricanes fan, his parents are on board with the U. He's, he's a two-way guy who has followed it extremely closely. And, and again, he's he's aware that he's kind of earned and played his way to this scholarship offer. That hits a little bit different. You know, the, the offer game is is tricky from the college perspective, but when you, you kind of play your way into it and a school rewards you for it, it does hit a little bit different as opposed to getting 10 offers in one week in the offseason. So I think that that resonates with Joseph. Uh, so we'll see how many more opportunities come his way. But from the Kane perspective, look, we talk about the needs at wide receiver, running back, where they don't have one committed. There's still a big need in the secondary, right? Just one corner on board yeah. right now. Uh, so there's certainly room for more. And I think where Joseph makes where, – where he breads his butter on defense, seeing him in person multiple times – is potentially as a nickel, a guy who can play the slot, who as a great slot receiver himself understands how to defend that two-way go. He's incredibly instinctive, has very good ball skills as well, despite not being the the biggest guy out there. So you can always use a player like that. You know, Miami's thrived with those types of players, Jaquan Johnson, uh, certainly Cam Kitchens right now, guys who aren't the, the athletic profile NFL size guys, but who just have those instincts to play in the middle uh, and can can help you support uh, the the pass defense there. So great story coming out of Chaminade and Edwin Joseph. And yeah, I just see if the Canes press here, I'd be hard pressed to think another school is going to have a great chance. You know, earlier this week, Chad Simmons from on three gave out kind of like a progress report for the uncommitted five stars. And, you know, I, I noticed uh, what, what he wrote about Samson Okunlola, the five-star offensive tackle out of Thayer Academy in Massachusetts. You know, he still considers Miami to be the hefty favorite there. Uh, is there anything new on when he might announce? And, you know, do, does Miami feel like the prohibitive favorite for you as well? Or who should Miami watch out for? Well, this is definitely Miami's race to lose at this point. I think the last time I came on with you, there were two things we were tracking. One, 
Monroe Freeling, where he ended up and how that could potentially impact Oak and Lola just from a spot perspective. He's off the board to Georgia, so that's not a worry from the Kane perspective. Two, we were watching the calendar, right? I believe it was late August, early September, and Samson had recently told us, hey, if I'm going to take my final two officials, you know, he took three in the summer, including one to Coral Gables. He had he has two more to take. He said, if I do that, they would be in September. Well, September, as of this this coming weekend, has come and gone from a college football weekend perspective. And Oak and Lola has not taken any official visits in the month. So I do think that he's probably not going to, barring a change of plans over the next 48 hours, which means kind of how we felt at the end of the summer, Miami leading programs like Michigan State, Penn State, uh, maybe an Ohio State creeping in there in the second tier we kind of feel like things are still there. And remember, back then, he also said, I kind of have enough info right now. I kind of have enough to make that call if I wanted to. So he was going to maybe do some due diligence in September. It looks like that's not going to happen. And look, he plays at a prep school that plays on the weekends on Saturdays, most weekends. So that that hurts his ability to hit the visit trail, maybe helps Miami uh, with that summer official visit. So the only question mark really remaining here is when. When is he going to come off the board? Again, he's the number one offensive tackle in the country. Uh, all the other top OT candidates have seemingly come off the board to this point. Uh, so I think Oakland Lola, the ball's in his court. All these colleges know that, and I think he knows that at this point. So no word on when he might do it, um, but I do get the sense that he is done with visits. And if that is the case, that is great news for the Hurricanes, and I would expect him to be a great candidate to cap what is maybe the best offensive line class in the country. I think you pair him with Francis Maui Goa, and, and that's about as good a group as you could imagine to put together uh, up front at another big uh, position group of need for the U. So uh, easier to talk about the weaknesses, but you know, adding to a strength isn't a bad deal, especially if it's with the number one offensive tackle in the country. So as, as things stand right now, I, I do think it's Miami's race to lose. Excellent. Everyone, make sure you follow this man on Twitter at John Garcia underscore junior. Check out his work in Sports Illustrated and congratulate the man. He's a new dad, two weeks old, and everybody is naming their sons Luca, myself included. I've got a Luca. He's got a Luca. We've all got a Luca. Yes, sir. Thank you for the shout. Luca's first podcast mentioned two weeks into his life. He <laughs> beat me by about uh, 23 years. So congrats to him already. Oh, that is fantastic. Thank you so much, John. Take care. Likewise, brother. I love it. Fantastic stuff there is always from John Garcia Jr. Guys, if you're a small business owner, you're going to get fantastic stuff from LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. You add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile. Spread the word that you're hiring. Then simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. Guys, I have gotten jobs through LinkedIn jobs, which means people who were hiring hopefully were happy uh, with the candidates that they uh, that they got. Uh, so I know that it works. Small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. 
Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Guys, we've got a weekend of games coming up, including Miami hosting Middle Tennessee at Hard Rock Stadium. Hopefully a get right game and a bounce back game after falling 17 to nine at Texas A&M. Mental mistakes were frustrating. Inability to score touchdowns was frustrating for Miami. You had to settle for three field goals. I want to take a look at Miami's game and a couple of other ACC games with the numbers courtesy of betonline.net. My friends, BetOnline has you covered. See what they did there? With more props, odds, and lines this season than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. So let's start with the Hurricanes. There's some interesting numbers, guys. BetOnline.net for Miami hosting Middle Tennessee this week. The Hurricanes are favored by 25 points against the Blue Raiders. That's a big number, regardless of the opponent. Now, I do think the Canes can win this game by four touchdowns or more. I'm probably going to sit this one out, at least that number. Not saying I'm sitting out the game, but I'm probably sitting out that number because it is really high and because there are some question marks for the Hurricanes offense. And Miami also has that tendency of starting slow, right? You remember Miami a couple weeks back, they faced a similar opponent to Middle Tennessee in Southern Miss. The Hurricanes ended up winning by 23 points, so that may be a good benchmark for how the handicappers came up with this line. Now, a couple days ago, I saw Miami was favored by 25 and a half, so it's shrunk a little bit. So if you do want to bet Miami to cover, you're better off locking in that number now than you were uh, in recent days when they were favored by 25 and a half. Um, But I would lean towards Miami winning this game by more than four touchdowns. I think Miami can do better in this game than they did against Southern Miss because, number one, I think the Canes are going to be angry and motivated after losing their first one this year. And number two, I think it's important that now Miami has gone on the road and they've faced a very fast, physical, athletic team, which gets them more acclimated to the speed of big-time college football this year. Because when you start the season against Bethune-Cookman and Southern Miss, who just don't play with the same sort of speed, intensity, and athleticism that Texas A&M plays with, Miami is now adapted more towards that. And defensively, the Hurricanes really rose to the occasion against Texas A&M, and Miami's running game and offensive line were really good as well. So if you do want to think about it, I think this I think the Hurricanes probably win this one by four touchdowns or more. As far as the scoring goes, I'm actually leaning a little bit towards the under 53 and a half. Now, I say that because I don't think Middle Tennessee is going to score a whole lot. The Canes' defense is clicking on all cylinders or firing on all cylinders, I think I should say. So I could see Miami scoring in the 30s or maybe the very low 40s and keeping the Blue Raiders of Middle Tennessee to 10 points or fewer. Uh, As far as Middle Tennessee's defense goes, and maybe this could be an argument for Miami scoring even more than I think they will, but... Middle Tennessee is not great against the pass. They give up 230 passing yards per game. So this could be an opportunity for Miami to have a get-right game in the passing game, right? Someone like Brashard Smith may be able to step up. Romello Brinson, uh, Keyshawn Smith may be able to step up and make some big, big plays in the passing game. Maybe we'll actually see Frank Ladson make some big catches uh, this week. Uh, But I think the big thing, and this plays right into Miami's strength, The Blue Raiders are going to struggle against the run, okay? 
They're actually, when it comes to blitzing and, you know, forcing some turnovers in the passing game, their, their defense has done a little bit of that, but I think Miami can really hurt them in the running game. So I look at the Blue Raiders because their average against the run doesn't look that bad. They average 104 yards given up on the run per game. But if you look at their loss, the blowout loss that they suffered week one to James Madison, they got gashed for 260 rushing yards. Miami's going to have the most physical offensive line they face and probably will face all season and the most talented running backs that they're probably going to face all season. So I think the Hurricanes can really hurt them on the ground, okay? A couple of other games that I'm looking at this weekend, courtesy of Bet Online. Syracuse are favored by 10 points at home against Virginia. I'm impressed by Syracuse. Dino Babers and their 3-0 start and how they've taken care of the football. But at some point, Brennan Armstrong is going to figure things out. I think Syracuse likely wins this game at home, but I think UVA can keep it within a touchdown. They just have to avoid turnovers. UVA had three costly fumbles in their escape act against Old Dominion last week. So I'm leaning to UVA plus 10. Uh, another game I'm looking at, you guys know I'm not a huge Notre Dame fan. Uh, North Carolina are favored at home by just a point and a half against Notre Dame. Now, Notre Dame finally got a victory last week against Cal. Let's not overreact to that. They escaped. They were sloppy. Their fans booed them sporadically throughout that game. For UNC, Drake May, I mentioned I'm, I'm taking his hire when it comes to a player prop. The UNC quarterback, he is balling right now. Uh, you know, UNC defensively, they've obviously not really stopped anyone, but I think that they're better than a point and a half favorite at home against a not very good Notre Dame team. I'm also leaning to the over 55 in that game because I think UNC is going to score with very, very few problems in this game. Could be a high scoring game. So that is what I'm looking at, courtesy of Bet Online, where the game starts. We're going to have a, a preview episode for Miami hosting Middle Tennessee on Saturday. So join us then. Huge shout out and thank you to John Garcia. Guys, make sure you make Locked On ACC your second listen. Uh, host Candace Cooper does an awesome job. I join her every Thursdays. Thank you for making us your first. We'll talk to you again tomorrow on another episode of Locked On Canes, part of the awesome Locked On podcast. Your team every day.